0: Heat Check. You knew that was coming. It's Heat Check
1: time. Welcome to the Heat Check. I am John Gonzalez. As you guys have probably realized because you're smart listeners and you've got a calendar, it is not Monday. It is Tuesday. Normally we do this podcast on Monday. The reason why we're doing it on Tuesday today is because I was at the Super Bowl. I went to Minneapolis in February to watch Nick Foles, who almost retired, try to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots, and it happened, which is like the craziest thing that's probably ever happened to anybody in Philadelphia. But so as a result, I was traveling back on Monday, and as you can hear, I'm a little under the weather. I picked up, I think it's the flu or maybe Ebola, but I'm definitely a little sick, so my apologies on that one. It's yet another way that Philadelphia has infected the ringer. So uh, if I'm coughing, take that, Bill Simmons. But also, Juliet, as you probably noticed, is not here as well. And that's because we're going to try something new on the heat check. We're going to go back to Mondays next week. Juliet is an amazing hang. I absolutely love Talking to Juliet Littman. The problem is everybody loves talking to Juliet Littman. She has been super, super busy. She's got jam session, the wildly successful Bachelor Party. She's on Sources Say. She does House of Carbs. She does Heat Check. Juliet Podcast Incorporated LLC. Buy stock in that because she's really, really good. She's also our managing editor here. So she's spread a little bit thin. So instead of Juliet being on the podcast every week, she'll be here semi-regularly instead of omnipresent. So that's the bad news. The good news is is that I work at an amazing place. Full of really, really fun people. And before I ever worked here, before I had ever written a word for us, before I had ever been on a podcast, I would be like you guys. And I would sit there and listen or read stories and be like, man, I would love to have a conversation with Chris Ryan or Kevin O'Connor or Jason Concepcion or Shay. And guess what? Now I do work here and now I can do those things. And so can Isaac. Isaac is still going to be on the ones and twos. Yeah, I'm still here. Isaac is still here. I haven't so been fired yet. Neither of us have been fired. I'm going to remedy that immediately, Isaac. <laughs> I'm going to make sure sure that uh, Simmons gets both of us escorted off the lot. But so that's what we're going to do moving forward. We're going to make this the same sort of heat check, but it's going to be conversational. We're going to rotate in all your favorite ringer personalities every week and tailor it to whatever conversations are hot in the NBA. Like heat check is the perfect name for this podcast. The conversations that we have offline in the office, I promise you, I work with an office full of heat check people. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. Isaac, you excited? Super excited. Super excited. All right, let's get it started. So uh, coming up on the show today, we're going to have Jonathan Charks on uh, whether the Pistons should go all in and acquire more pieces. Joe House is going to be on the podcast. He's going to talk about his beloved Wizards and how all of a sudden they're doing a lot better without John Wall. I think addition by subtraction is very interesting there. And then uh, later on in the program, I wrote a piece about the last 10 trade deadlines where I ranked them. The trade deadline is this week. So we're going to bring in KOC and Jason Concepcion to talk about trade deadlines, which is super Super fun, but first, a guy I love reading and I'm super excited to talk to. Shea Serrano is going to join us to talk about the Cavs. He had some really fun tweets. Was throwing some shade at the Cavs. So Isaac, dial him up. All right, joining us on the other line, one of the most famous people at the ringer, maybe the, the most famous person on twitter.com. He's everywhere. It took us a while, though, to, to get him on the phone because apparently he gave us a fake number at first and Isaac had to track down the real number. Shea Serrano's on the other line. Shea, did you, is this your burner?
2: I gave Isaac, who swears up and down, he knows about rap, he asked me for a <laughs> phone number. I gave him Mike Jones' phone number, It's the most famous phone number and all of rap and he tried to call that one for like 10 minutes
1: yeah it took him a while so I had to
2: email him back like hey you dork you that's not my number how dare you
1: Isaac his pop culture references begin in 1992 when he was born I believe I have his 1994 94, actually, 94 excuse me yes. yeah so anything that predates 94 he's out on
2: No, this was mid 2000s. Yeah,
1: see, he should be in on that. I guess so. Uh, That's my fault.
2: That is your fault, Isaac. I also learned this week that Isaac signs his emails as
1: ICE, which is
2: fucking incredible.
1: Yeah, I didn't didn't
2: know we were allowed to do that.
1: apparently he's got his own rules I didn't know he went by ice either he said that to me one day on the podcast and said that uh, only his good friends call him ice and I have been calling him <laughs> Isaac so I guess that tells you you have where to I...
3: earn the
2: right you have to earn the right to call him ice yeah that's uh, even better than just a normal nickname
1: apparently so all right so I, I wanted to have you on to talk about the Cavs because while I was at the Super Bowl hey shouts again to the Eagles and ice or Isaac at any point if you just want to <laughs> drop in the Eagles fight song, feel free to do so. But I was at the Super Bowl and I was reading your tweets and you had me rolling per usual. You tweeted out that the Cavs are like if that thing where when you want to just get an argument over with so you go, yeah, okay, was a basketball team. And you also said maybe Kyrie was right. Yo, Shay, was Kyrie right? I think
2: he was right. I think he definitely knew this was going to happen. The Cavs look so, so bad right now. Everything about them is bad. Every single thing. They're terrible on defense. Right now they have the 28th worst defense. Oh, no, wait, 28th best, the third worst, whatever. They're <laughs> third to last in all of the defense and all of the NBA. They're only ahead of the Kings and the Suns, which is never a place you want to be in a sentence with those two teams. They're like, I think, tied for 14th and threes this season. Last season, they were second. Yeah. It's just really it's
1: it sucks. Also, they it's play so in Cleveland. It's very tough. They're nineteenth in net rating overall. But since January one, so for the new year and since Isaiah has come back, they're twenty-ninth in net rating. Only the Phoenix Suns are worse. And I think it's like See? Yeah, it's not a good as you mentioned, not good company to be in. But then on top of that, I love I don't know. Where are you on Isaiah? Because I love Isaiah, but Isaiah being, uh, like, blaming dudes and saying, like, I don't know the last time we got on the floor for a loose ball and talking about defense when, like, I I don't think I've ever seen Isaiah play defense is kind of squirrely.
2: Yeah, it's really him blaming Kevin for the bad defense or for anything. It's like if the guy driving the Titanic, was yelling at the, <laughs> the band, like, right. what are you guys doing? Why didn't you play a song to tell me that we were going to hit the iceberg? You guys are, like, off, you guys
1: just, are off note. It, you got to hit your notes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, do you think they like Kevin Love?
2: No, they've never liked Kevin Love. His whole time at the Cavs, he's been an outsider, which is really crazy because, like, okay, look, like I wrote a thing last week. I wrote it about Kevin Love and Isaiah Thomas, and I wrote it on Tuesday. And then he broke his hand on Tuesday night. So we were like, you know what, let's not run this thing. Right. Because it was all about like, is this Kevin Love's fault? Is this Isaiah's fault? Whatever, didn't want to be like, like that's not a cool thing to do. Another
1: ringer curse.
2: Yeah. In the piece, I was talking about that, about how he has always sort of existed as this outsider. Like you, you go back to 2015, I think it was when everybody made a big deal about LeBron posting the picture yeah. on Instagram where it was like, my click or whatever, and everybody was in there except for Kevin Love. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Like, that's been his, his whole vibe since then. And what's really wild about that is if you look back at that picture, Kyrie's gone, Timothy is gone, right. Perk is gone. Like, everybody left LeBron except for Kevin Love. Kevin Love has always been there. Kevin Love was the first guy in LeBron's arms when they won the championship. That's who he was holding as he cried with Kevin Love. But he just gets this terrible rap. And it's probably because he's a bit of a dork
1: he is a dork, but I kind of like that about him. If you're a dork, I'm a dork. I'm a nerd. You got like, to own it. And like, for example, after the All-Star voting came out and they asked him where he thought he got picked and he busted his own balls and he was like, I was probably last. I'm that tall dude who can shoot that. They were just like, yeah, sure. We'll put you on the team. I thought that was hilarious. He was poking fun at himself. I think it's weird that they don't like Kevin Love, and that they, especially because Isaiah has been on the team for a hot second. And like Juliet always gives me heat about defending Isaiah uh, and saying that there's too much Isaiah love out there. But I do find it strange that he came in and immediately was like, yeah, I'm also going to shit on Kevin Love.
2: Yeah, that's just what you do. Isaiah is so charming. And also he has phenomenal teeth, which is really helpful. (laughs) If you've got that big smile like that that you just turn on and everybody falls in love with you, you use it to your advantage. You know what it reminds me of? This is an anecdote that only I'm going to understand and maybe if my family is listening. Do but it. my sister who's underneath me, second oldest in the family, she married this guy who everybody just sort of shits on all the time now. Aww. He's like, because he's kind of this dopey, dorky dude. So everybody makes fun of him all the time. For like years, this has happened. They were married for several years. And then one of my cousins married this other guy. And everybody was like, oh, are we shifting the hate to the new guy?
3: <laughs> the and new- he,
2: but he showed up. And he was this very charming, very sweet guy. And, like, the first day we were hanging out, he made fun of the other guy. And everyone was like, well, there we go. We're just going to stick with that. Just... I think that's what happened here. Isaiah just made a joke his first day. Everybody laughed and were like, well, we'll just keep making fun of the guy who did the chocolate milk commercial.
1: I love that the uh, Serrano family has, like, pretty ingrained hazing rituals. What's the one who uh, the cousin or the, or the boyfriend who gets uh, shit on has his teeth? No good? He can't smile?
2: He's got decent teeth, but there are no Isaiah teeth.
1: Okay, so he needs to get those cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about Ty Lu? Are you worried about Ty?
2: <laughs> yeah. Ty Lu is a dead man walking phrase. Like, he knows. It's a wrap for him. He's been done. He's just waiting
1: to get the phone call. I like Ty. I think he's fine. But, yes, like a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even just a week ago, it feels like the Cavs are aging in dog years right now. But, like, when they were like, oh, what are you going to do with your team? And he goes, nothing. I'm going to keep it as is. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And then finally he decided to make a move and, and uh, you know, it was bringing Isaiah off the bench for a second or, or benching him in the fourth quarter, which I don't know. I, you have to, it has to be Ty Lute. It has to be.
2: Yeah, he's, he's him saying he's not going to do anything is like if his car was just on fire. And he goes, I'll just turn the AC off and maybe that'll help. That's what
1: that was. It's it's totally going to cool it down. It's going to be fine. It's that meme uh, that says this is fine. I mean, if you're them, like this feels like it would be, Danny just wrote about this. Danny Chow just wrote about this on The Ringer, where it feels like it's a little 2010-ish where like they've got a lot of things going on with LeBron and they want to make sure that he stays. So they've got to go out and try to add some pieces just in the hopes that they'll keep him. But if they do, Uh like they probably got to move that Brooklyn pick or maybe their own pick would you move either of those picks? I mean, like, because for the first time, I think like LeBron is vulnerable in the East now.
2: Yeah, it's a wrap for LeBron and Cleveland, and it feels a lot like if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, will he be there? Then yeah, for sure, he would never leave Cleveland. Is what I would have said. But now, just the way things have turned out with Kyrie leaving, and all of a sudden the the Celtics look like a very serious threat, and the Cavs are just sinking totally. It feels a lot like he's like he's out of there. Because he could have committed already, he could have come on and said it, and that might have helped things out a bit. I'm sure that's you know that stress is out there for them as well. But it just feels like he's gone, man. They can't do anything. He, he has a no trade clause. They get maybe they can ask him to waive that so they can trade him. But why would he ever do that ever?
1: Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I think like they got to try to bring pieces in. But then it's like, you know, what's their actual real ceiling? It's interesting, though, that you said that you think it's already a wrap on LeBron, like even before the deadline, even before they make moves. I've been wondering about this just from like a narrative standpoint, from a storyline standpoint, because I love the storylines in the NBA. If he leaves, is that an automatic WWE, like heel turn again? If he leaves, is he going to get heat automatically?
2: No, he's good. It's a whole different NBA than when he left the first time. Right now, he would leave. It would be a thing for like a week and then somebody would post a picture of their penis by accident, and that would be it. It would be be like, okay, that happened. LeBron's gone, whatever. It's all different. You know what? a, A neat stat that I just happened across not that long ago. Tell me. Of the Cavs, I think right now they have 15 active players. 13 of them came either by trade, or free agency. I think it was like eight. They traded for five. They signed in a free agency. So to me, they've never shown, as of recent, an ability to like bring in the guys that they need to win the championship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's just nothing. There's nothing that can happen. It doesn't feel like it feels like that's the end of the Cavs era.
1: Which is crazy because like over the summer when Kyrie was like trying to get out of town, like at the time I was like, all right, you know what? You get rid of Kyrie and. You know, you go with Isaiah, and you'll get another pick, and it'll be fine. But in in retrospect, like, if you could hit the undo button, like, if imagine, like, a button where you could just hit hard reset on that and just say, okay, actually, we're going to keep Kyrie, and, like, LeBron's going to walk anyway. Like, would you do that?
2: 100%, yes.
1: Yeah. I I think I would, too. You'd have to convince them somehow.
2: Yeah, LeBron was such a compelling and gigantic figure that I think everybody was guilty of overlooking how important Kyrie was. It was like, oh, he's just a guy who's good in ISO and makes cool layups. Like, that's just what we all thought. And now he's gone, and we're like, oh, shit. He was, like, in a a very important piece. Because I thought the same thing. They switched out Kyrie for Isaiah, and I was like, oh, cool. They got, like, a tinier Kyrie. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And it has super not been fine.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I didn't expect Kyrie to be this good and... I didn't expect it to blow up that quickly, but at, uh, what was it, the Eastern Conference Finals last year, Dave McMenamin asked him, do you ever think what it would be like to have your own team? Which is the kind of question that I generally wouldn't think to ask in a pack setting because like who's going to answer that and especially in that setting and especially Kyrie who tends to be like pretty reserved in those pack interviews, but he flat out said, yeah, I think about it all the time. And now he's off. Running his t- I was like, I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, I can't. That was a really honest answer. And then like minutes later, he was like, yeah, I want the hell out of here. Otherwise I'm going to, uh-huh. uh, I'm going to sit out for surgery. So, all right. So if this thing blows up though, and you're right. And LeBron goes and, and like you said, he's got that currency from the championship. So people aren't going to hate on him and they're not going to like burn his jerseys and it's still going to be okay. If he leaves, where do you want to s- forget about like where you think he might end up? Where do you want to see him end up?
2: Oh, I have to say the Spurs, right? Because that's my team. I would vote first place. I want to see is the Spurs, even though I do not think it would work out all that great.
0: That would be I would really still interesting. Like to see
2: him in that jersey, I want to see him with Pop. I want to see what happens there when you've got the smartest basketball player in the world with the smartest basketball coach in the world. What sort of shit are they going to come up with together? You know what I'm saying? Especially with Pop's whole new thing, where he's like listening more to the players like he did with Lamarcus Mm -hmm. where he's understanding there's been like a shift in player thinking, that would be a cool thing to see. Also, if not there, I would want to see him go to a team like the Lakers. Or a team where he could do a thing that would greater affect his legacy or impact. Like if you go to the Lakers and win a championship or even get them to like the finals or something. That's a big move that you can, you know, put a stamp on your resume with you go somewhere like the Spurs or Houston or whatever it's not going
1: to be the same yeah the Houston thing would be interesting just because you know like the banana half a banana boat down there with CP if CP stays Mm -hmm. um but the Lakers Mm -hmm. yeah like for the Lakers I always wonder about everybody wanting to go to the like look I live in Los Angeles it's amazing like I'm never going I love Philadelphia Philadelphia, like we just won a Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Uh, It's all my friends and family are there. I'm never leaving Los Angeles. California is fantastic. So I get that. But like from a Lakers (laughs) perspective, like, I don't know, everybody, there's been so many star players. You're going to be one of however many I'd like to see him go somewhere else. He should go to the Sixers, go to the Sixers, win a title with Embiid. It's Title Town now. Go there.
0: That's not homeristic at all. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. No, it's totally homeristic, which I I think you just coined that word, Isaac, and I like it. Uh, we're going to put that in the lexicon.
4: Ice. You got to call him
1: ice. Ice. I, I'm warming into it. Like, I don't want to overstep my bounds, you know?
4: Yeah. I don't know if you're close enough for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's going to let us know. You mentioned the Spurs, though, before we let you go. Is Kawhi alive? What's happening with Kawhi? Do, do they still like each other? Is he in witness protection with Markel Fultz? What's happening?
2: My sources are telling me that it's a wrap for Kawhi and San Antonio.
1: You think he's gone?
2: Yes. My sources, by the way, are the NBA page for Reddit. So <laughs> I don't know anybody that actually knows anything. I just read it on there.
1: How sad would you be if that's true?
2: I don't know how sad I would be. I don't know yet. It depends on what they got got back. Because if the idea has been floated out there long enough that he might be leaving or that they might trade him. That I think I'm past the like hurt feelings part you know when you first get bad news you're sad Mm. and then you get to the part where you're mad about it like that's where i am right now i'm at the bad part so if he left i'd be like cool fuck Kawhi." like i never liked him anyway i would just start lying and saying stuff like that (laughs) and i would be super into whoever they brought in like oh we got jason tatum that's what's up he's a superstar anyway that's the card i would play that's yeah. how I feel.
1: It's a defense mechanism. You've got to protect yourself. You've got to worry about you. Exactly. You got a family. All right, go back to your wonderful family. What what are you working on this week? Anything you want to plug for the ringer?
2: No, I'm not I'm not writing anything ever again.
1: Okay. He's done writing. I'm he's just got chillin'. two look, he's got two uh, New York Times number one bestsellers. He's good. <laughs>
2: Well, only one was a number one. Only nah,
1: one let's just tell everybody, fact. too. Let's make them both. Uh,
2: if Isaac can call himself Ice, then I can lie about that. <laughs> yeah,
1: episode. look, oh. facts, it's, we're in a post-fact world right now. Chase Serrano, two-time New York Times bestseller. Thank you for joining us on the Heat Check Pod, Holmes. All right, Gonzo. Talk to you, man. Ice, Isaac, my man. Let's dial up our next guest. We're going to get Jonathan Charks in to talk about the Pistons. Alright, we're back and we're joined on the other line by one of the smartest guys at the Ringer and we're full of smart guys, which is really impressive. I think that's a very nice way to bring him in. It's Jonathan Charks. What's up, Charks?
5: Well, that was very nice of you. I don't know how much that. I'll I'll take it though.
1: Truth and advertising, homie. So, when we were putting together the outline for the show, we were talking about like various storylines in the NBA, and I didn't expect to be talking about the Pistons because I thought the trade was a little strange. But then all of a sudden the Pistons since the trade Have won four in a row.
5: Griffin only played in three of those. But Sharks, are the Pistons fun now? I think they kind of have to be, right? There's no turning back for them. Like they gotta put all their chips in. And let's see where Blake can take them. Why not, right? Yeah, and like for Blake's
1: purposes, when I saw the trade, I was like, that has got to suck. Like he's an LA dude. He likes to, you know. He's dating, I think, Kendall Jenner, one of the Jenners. And, yeah, yeah, there we yeah. go. Kendall Jenner. Kendall. This is why I need Juliet here, because she would immediately know not only who he was dating, but also like where they had had their last meal and where they're going out tonight. I'm not up on that stuff. But so I was like, ah, that's going to Detroit much colder, not nearly as cool. However, team wise, it's interesting. I don't know what
5: to make of this fit. What do you like? Do you like the fit? I think if anything with Blake, I just like going to the Eastern Conference. Yeah. You feel like he was never going to do it in the West. And the East is pretty wide open. He's 28. They have some interesting players. And then he gets a chance to just go in the Eastern Conference playoffs and try.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And as we record this right now, they are tied with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, with a 500 record, technically they're a game behind because they played two more games, but they're right on that, like back end of the playoff cusp, which is interesting because, you know, pre Blake Griffin, um, I'm looking at their net rating right now. Charks, they're middle of the pack. The Pistons are uh, 17th in net rating, which still puts them ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers womp, womp, but yeah, um, like, what do you think about their prospects to make the playoffs? Would you put
5: them in? Do you give them a good shot? I think they probably would make it, just because the East is so. I mean, the bottom of the East is not exactly Murderer's Row. Not good. But I don't think I think they'd have to make another trade if they wanted to do anything in the playoffs.
1: So here's the here's the bottom of the East before we get into like what what we think that they might do trade wise on Thursday or before then. The Celtics and Raptors are like way ahead of everybody, and then three through eight is a total toss up. Uh, it's it's separated by four and a half games. You've got the Cavs, Wizards, Bucks, Pacers, Heat. Sixers and Pistons of those teams. Who do you think the Pistons are better than?
5: I would say the Sixers probably. I don't like right
1: now. this. I had only planned to cut Kevin O'Connor's mic and Kevin's <laughs> going to be joining us later in the show. Isaac, make sure that you are ready to cut Sharks' mic. All right. So you've got the Pistons over the Sixers, which is madness, but I'll forgive it. I think you're right. You mentioned that you think that the Pistons have to make a move for the deadline and go all in. Like, what, what do you think they need, though?
5: I mean, to me, they need shooting on the perimeter, like they need, yeah. like everyone else needs. They need three D right. guys. They need a the wing who can shoot and maybe give us a little offense too and guard.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much everybody though. Like, and and I think you're right though that they have to add because you know if you're SVG, I mean, you're trying to buy some time here. Not to mention the fact that they've got that arena and they got to put some people in it.
5: Yeah, I mean, this is his last chance. You have Blake for five years, but is he going to be healthy in that time? Like, he's 28. You just got to go for it now and just pray for the best.
1: Yeah. Those contracts too, for Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond are interesting. Like I know that you made the trade for Reggie Jackson. So you had to give him the money, but like Reggie Jackson is fine. He's fine. Like, I wonder what this team is going to look like with him and Blake, uh, whoever they might add. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just wonder what their upside is. I get the idea of you've got to add, because like you said, You know, what else is SVG gonna do? He's not gonna just throw his hands up at this point. But I just wonder like what their actual ceiling is.
5: Well, to me, with the wings they have now, it's a first round exit for sure. Yeah. You really can't trust Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock to be enough. Would you move Stanley Johnson? See, to me, I think the trade you make is Stanley Johnson for Rodney Hood. I think that makes sense. That's interesting. That does make sense for both teams. Although, like for the Pistons, I like
1: it because, you know, Rodney Hood can score the ball. There's no doubt about that. The only problem is to score the ball, you have to be on the court, which not always Rodney Hood's forte. This is true.
5: I think then you're, you're even going further all in. You're saying we got a bunch of injury prone guys. We're praying to the basketball guys that it works out because if not, SFU is getting fired anyways. So let's just hope it works out.
1: Yeah, and Hood had 30 points last night. I mean, he was he was killing it. And I I've always liked Rodney Hood, and I think like now that they've got Donovan Mitchell in Utah, you know, they might be ready to to see what they can get for Rodney Hood. That could be a really interesting like everybody helps everybody out trade there. It's fascinating to me too like watching Blake Griffin incorporate with the Pistons now and like Blake Griffin, who when we watch him on the court is sometimes like a grump, and he's yelling at you know opposing coaches or referees or whatever. When he was in Los Angeles, and then all of a sudden he gets to Detroit and he's playing Mr. Nice Guy. Like, like, do you think he needed a fresh start, or is this like a production?
5: I mean, I think everyone did at a certain point. Like, it had been what ten years. Yeah, you have to just try. Life is short. Some things <laughs> are meant to they're play, they play they played out. Yeah, like Blake has to at least have a chance to do something different.
1: I really like Blake. I really especially like off-court Blake. And on-court Blake I've I've liked more recently cuz you know like the and you wrote about this last year. Wasn't it you that wrote the piece about like Point Blake? Yeah, yeah. He's an amazing passer. He's a fun player to watch. But the idea of like max contract Blake 2 years from now in Detroit, like I wonder what that's going to look like. Is SVG even still around? All of a sudden like then it's not this is new and I'm excited and like, let's see what we can be. It's just, oh yeah, shit. I live in Detroit.
5: Yeah. I mean, the, I'd say the odds of this blowing up are really high. Yeah. I think Bill <laughs> mentioned a while ago, the Amari to New York thing, and it feels very Amari to New York. Like it'll yeah. probably work right away. You got an older guy on a massive contract with bad knees. The odds of it working long-term are really low, realistically, just because of his health.
1: If you're Blake, like what odds would you give on, let's just say that like, forget about the SVG component and like this team and what it can be. You met like the health component is a really important part here, not to mention location. Again, he's now in Detroit, which I think like, and in a couple of weeks, he's going to look around and, and like really miss Southern California. Like what percentage chance would you ascribe to him? Like one day being like, you know what? I'm good. I'm not even going to play through the end of this contract.
5: Oh, I mean, 0%, that's too much money.
1: Too much it's money to give up?
5: million. Yeah. You know, you can always act. You can- <laughs> I don't think there's any...
1: He's going to be right. acting as a basketball player.
5: Hey, as Andrew Bynum once said, man, there's a bank in every city, you know?
1: That's a good point. I don't and feel
5: too bad for Blake. That's a lot of money.
1: That is that is a lot of money and like he is getting paid to stay to stay in Detroit. Alright Chucks. while you're here, I also want to get into a little Dallas stuff because you are a resident all things Dallas expert. Dirk Nowitzki is still in the league. I was in Dallas. I actually worked for the Dallas Observer way back when when Dirk was a rookie. Your prime.
5: Your peak years in Dallas. They
1: were my peak years. I it's been yeah. downhill since then. The ringer is getting a yeah. shell of myself. Um <laughs> But so he's played over 50,000 minutes now. And I think that's absolutely bananas. And there was a stretch of 13 years there where during that stretch, he only missed 42 games, which I can't even comprehend.
5: Yeah, I always say, if you never jump, it's hard to get hurt, right? You stay on level grounds. Like you're just doing shooting drills for 13 years. You walk up and down the court. You just do your shots. Don't jump. Don't move on defense. You stay healthy. You stay healthy, right? You gotta. It's. Uh, I actually realize this. Like the older
1: I'm, 40 now. So like the older I get, the more that like physical activity on anything that isn't super forgiving as a surface acts to uh, you know hamper me. Uh so
5: Oh, I mean I'm 30 years old and I, I feel that. Like I can barely move anymore.
1: Yeah, I went for a run the other day and was pretty sure I was going to end up in traction. So the fact that Dirk Nowitzki <laughs> is like still running up and down the court is amazing. And also, I think it's pretty great like that he has stayed in Dallas his whole career. I know that, you know, some Mavs fans, you know, and it's probably a distinct minority maybe wanted them to reset earlier. But there's something to be said for a guy playing out his entire career with one organization, being the face of the franchise, and still doing it at his, at his age. Like I think it's really cool to watch, and I know it's been a bad season for them, but it's okay with me to have this be his farewell tour. Because I want, I want nice things for you in Dallas.
5: That's really what matters is my entertainment more than
1: It's really guess, at the top so of my you, list. You've got
5: the right thing. You've got the right stuff in mind.
1: It's it's really at the top of my to-do list. It's like in the morning I get up and I'm like, all right, I have two dogs I have to do- I have to walk the dogs and I'm like, what can I do to make Shark smile?
5: Now we're talking. That's that's it. You got anything you want to plug coming out on the ring of this week? We're just doing you know a bunch of trade deadline stuff. Then we got a cool I think that's next we're doing a LeBron versus MJ series. Yes. I've got a cool piece coming on that. That should be fun.
1: Nice. The Friday show. And the Friday show.
5: Oh yeah, the NBA draft show. Thank you, Isaac Lee, podcaster extraordinaire. Friday NBA draft show.
1: Jonathan Charks is he's everywhere. He's writing stuff. Read him. Listen to him. Charks, thanks, Holmes.
5: Yeah. Have a good one, man.
1: All right. All right. We're going to get Joe House on the line to talk about the Wizards. And then later on in the show, we're going to have Kevin O'Connor and Jason Concepcion to talk about previous trade deadlines and the upcoming one. But first, let's take a break to hear from our sponsors. Finding a dress shirt that fits is hard. Something is always off. But thankfully, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with Proper Cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in just seconds by answering 10 simple questions. Not to mention, you can choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles. There are 10 cuff styles? I thought there was like the button one and then the French cuff. And that, that like was the extent of my cuff style. So apparently there are 10 and you can choose from them. And 500 fabric styles from classic to business to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and they only buy fabrics. that meet their high quality standards. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship and best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit right, they'll remake it for free. This is the future of shirts. The future of shirts is now, Isaac. It's amazing. We're living in a remarkable time. Oh, yeah. These shirts are made completely custom for you starting at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash NBA today and enter the gift code NBA and you'll save $20 on your first shirt. Go do it. Are you hiring? posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it. Well, guess what? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. I'm pretty sure that's how Bill Simmons ended up with an entire staff full of Philadelphians. (laughs) So he's probably going to be pretty pissed at ZipRecruiter. The rest of us here at The Ringer very excited about ZipRecruiter for staffing The Ringer with Philadelphians. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. And these invitations have revelated how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring need. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA That's ziprecruiter.com slash ringer NBA. Ziprecruiter.com. Guess what? Slash ringer NBA. That's ZipRecruiter. That's the smartest way to hire. All right, as a married man, I go to a lot of events where I need to wear suits. In fact, I don't know if you guys heard about this. I was in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl where the Eagles won their first ever championship. My wife brought me, and she works for the NFL Network. We went to the NFL Honors Awards show where they like, you know, hand out MVP and coaches, uh, best coach of the year, rookie of the year, all that stuff. They announced the Hall of Fame. Everybody dressed to the nines. I wore a suit that I already had. Luckily, though, the Black Tux had offered me a suit. I just didn't know about that until afterwards. I wish I had known because they have amazing stuff. And like I said, everybody wants to look their best. And you can do that with the Black Tux. Theblacktux.com is your answer with high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep. I wish I had done this before I went. The Black Tux is the easy way to rent suits and tuxedos online. Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist-selected outfits. Suits usually retail for $1,200. Who has $1,200? Isaac, maybe. I do not. He gets big-time rigger money. I do not. But at the the Black Tux, they start at just $95. That is much more affordable. Expert customer care has your back every step of the way. Completely done online. You don't have to go anywhere. With the Black Tux free home try-on, you can see if it fits, and then you can feel the quality of your suit months before your event. After ordering, your suit will arrive just 14 days before your event. That's excellent timing. And if anything is less than perfect, guess what? Send it back to the Black Tux and The Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. When your event's over, just drop your rental back in the mail. Shipping is free both ways. And to get $20 off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash NBA. That's theblacktux.com slash NBA for $20 off your purchase. The Black Tux, premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. All right, we're back. I'm very excited for our next guest on the other line from House of Carbs and from Shack House. How'd I do on that one? It's Joe House.
0: It's okay. You have to work on this, check. It's <laughs> a little bit, but not a bad try. Wangon. I'm going to call you Wangon if that's all right, John Gonzalez. This is the first time we've podcasted together. Yes. I want to make sure that we have our own special term of endearment for each other. So you can call me whatever you want, but I'm going to call you Wongon for these purposes. You can
1: call me whatever you like. I'm I'm thrilled to have you on the program to talk about your Washington, I believe you call them the Wizards. All of a sudden, Joe House, they're good. And I don't know, there's a certain guy, John Wall, who hasn't been around for this five-game winning streak. Your boy, Bill Simmons, tweeted out just an, a pair of eyeball emojis when uh, after they won their, their fifth game in a row without Wall. A little nervous about them being better without him?
0: Well, look, before we get going, I have two questions for you. Tell me. Wangan. And by the way, I don't call them the Wizards because I, I've i never subscribed to the terrible process that led to the change of name away from Bullets. I don't mind changing the name away from Bullets, mm-hmm. but it was a terrible era here in Washington, and the Wizards are never something that I, I would embrace or adopt. I call them the Almost Bullets most of the time, but I will accept wizards every once in a while. Here are my questions for you, John Gonzalez. <laughs> All right, I'm my ready. boy, Juan <laughs> Uh My very first question is, are you still drunk? It's a combination of that and Robitussin because
1: I picked up some sort of hyperflu while I was there and I'm just coughing all over. I think that this is Bill Simmons's microphone. I'm doing that as my, sp- <laughs> I brought him back a sickness, just like one more present from Philadelphia for Simmons.
0: Yeah, right. That's unbelievable. Well, there's nothing wrong with the Tussin. I'm happy to hear that's part of the mix.
1: Yeah, it's a part Robo trip, part booze bag. But yeah, I'm, I'm out of sorts.
0: Well, on the subject of the National Basketball Association mm-hmm. and my hometown team, my question to you is are you going to come on here today and slander John Wall? Are you I just want to prepare myself. I want to know whether or not, you know, you have jumped onto the bandwagon with a, this popular internet meme <laughs> of the Wizards are better without Wall and and uh, Wall's contract is, all, should the Wizards be thinking about trading him already? Like all that, that silly internet nonsense. Are you prepared to come on here today and slander John Wall in that manner, my boy Wangon? Look, so I really like John Wall as a player.
1: I'm not as anti-John Wall contract as say like uh, our boy KOC is. He, he yeah. threw some slander on yesterday's podcast with Chris Vernon. I mean, well, just- KOC
0: is a maniac. I'll have to listen to that and I'll find my opportunity to get with him. KOC has long harbored a disbelief when it comes to the transcendence of John Wall. And we had a lively conversation over the summer around the relative attributes and qualities of Kyrie Irving versus John Wall. And you know, I think we agreed to disagree at the end of the day. But I know he's he's a long time in the closet wall hater. We all know that about KOC. (laughs) I
1: don't even think so. In the closet, pretty out. Well, now
0: he's out. Now he's out. Pretty
1: out about it. The contract he's making eighteen million this year. He's got one more year left next year at 19.1, which is fine by current NBA standards. The problem is that you're after that when he's going to get a supermax. And then all of a sudden you have to ask yourself like with his age, whether or not John Wall is worth it. I really like John Wall. He's one of the best point guards in the NBA. I just think it's interesting that all of a sudden, like they take him out and they look like they're playing well. They look like they're playing well together. They look happy. They didn't look happy earlier. Do they not like him? I don't think they like him.
0: I have a lot of things to say about the current state of the almost bullets and all of the factors that may be sort of driving what we've observed over the last five games. So let me make a very quick observation on the contract point, which is this. Let's worry about the contract two years from now. Now's not the time to be looking at, you know, how much he's making relative to... His peers and what you know, his whether his health will uh, sustain and his durability and where he will be. Two, let's let's see two years from now where the franchise is, what he's done in terms of his own contribution to mission, and how close the franchise is to its goal of being a repeat Eastern Conference Finals attendee participant. And maybe even cracking through and jumping through to, to an actual finals appearance. So let's just let the next handful of years play out. We don't have to assess or a judge whether or not John Wall's contract is onerous now. Because it's not onerous right now. It might be onerous two or three years from now. It might be market two or three years from now. We don't know how the collective bargaining agreement is going to change in the, in the next uh, iteration. And we don't know how the cap's going to move. So let's chill. I mean, it's okay to have some thoughts and think about it. Everybody got to, gets excited because Blake Griffin just got traded, and you know the Clippers cut bait. That's not the position that the Almost Bullets are in. But let's talk about where we are that right now. That was amazing. Now.
1: That was amazing. So the state of the Almost Bullets. All right, so let's get into that. During that monologue, I heard. I think I heard you say, uh, and it was a. You're on the right podcast. This is called the Heat Check Podcast. That was a hell of a heat check. But I think. <laughs> During that monologue, you mentioned possibly the Wizards making it to the conference finals, and I like tell me about this because right now they're seven and a half games back on the Celtics. I think we could all agree that they haven't been as good as the Celtics. They haven't been as good as the Raptors. They're in that Cavs Wizards Bucks tier.
0: Are you feeling optimistic? But Wangon, that is a perfectly. Salient observation you just made. They have indeed not been as good as either of those two teams. But I will tell you here and now, without hesitation or reservation, that they are <laughs> as good as either one of those teams that are currently ahead of them in the standings. There is not a team in the East that I fear Juan Gonzalez.
1: Well, I don't think you should fear them. I'm I'm looking at their net ratings, right? And like the Raptors and Celtics, obviously, uh, they're three and four in the NBA in net rating. Uh, The Wizards are eight. They're they're pretty good. They're they're a good team, but I just wonder, like this chemistry issue. I'm going to keep harping on this because I know it like makes your eyeball twitch. Like this chemistry issue with John Wall. Like I wonder, would they be like think about the haul that they could get back for John Wall? I saw Isaac Lee, our producer, emailed you to ask you to come on the show, and you said you would come on the show because you you love John Wall and you want to defend him, and there's no way you would trade him unless it was for Kawhi. Um,
0: which <laughs> no, I that loved. was funny. Everybody got a good chuckle, right?
1: I loved it. There's gotta be other people. I mean, you could get a nice haul for John Wall, I think, and maybe not Kawhi, but you could get a nice haul. What if, you know, all of a sudden you're adding pieces around Brad Beal, who is suddenly more, du- this
0: is how bad it's gotten for you. It, Brad Beal is suddenly more durable than John Wall. No, 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 no. This is ludicrous. That's an asinine thing to say. I gave you credit for a salient observation and now we're in cuckoo land. All right. Let's start from the beginning. And here's the thing that I, I resent more than anything, All right. which is that in terms of a team, a franchise managing its fans' expectations, my franchise, the Almost Bullets, routinely miss the opportunity to prepare us and season us properly. Because... We, as sensible basketball fans, ended last season feeling fairly buoyant about how the team performed, about the young pieces that we have in place, about, honestly, the improvement in personnel on the bench. And there was nowhere to go but up after last year's Bowl conflagration. <laughs> That was uh, so grotesque that I'm sure I don't think there there are three players no longer in the NBA that populated the almost bullets bench last year. Yeah, it was ugly. But my complaint about the management of expectations comes down to this. They knew, they had to know coming into the season that Johnny Wall was not 100%. And our own eyeballs, as Almost Bullets fans, could observe. We had fat John Wall. We had fat John Wall in October. Chunky. He was he, let's not call him fat. Whatever he was, he was call like a him. slightly,
1: I mean, slightly overweight for him.
0: And that is not all that uncommon. Now he gets credit because he um goes away, he spends a lot of time in Los Angeles getting ready for each season. It's and nice he, here. he does he has come back with a different skill. Like he he will work on a singular skill. But it is pretty apparent year over year that he uses the first month of the season to kind of get himself in basketball shape, in regular season shape. He does not show up the way that DeMar DeRozan did two years ago, like having run with a tire on his back up a 50-foot sand hill. That ain't Johnny Wall's That's very thing very hard. summer. It's hard to do. Yeah, right. I you mean, could do and, it. And
1: I could see you hustling up a hill.
0: Well, if 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 there was a cheeseburger at the top and I was going to hit my beautiful Callaway Rogue driver 400 yards, yes, of course.
1: That's nice know. synergy on your pods, by the way. You like that? You I, did, like that? I did. I did. I like. I liked how you we get it, it all in
0: there. You know what titillates me, John? Do I do.
1: I I have a sense of what what gets you going. I love how much you love the Wizards. Uh, that clearly is true. You might be the only person. Who pays this much attention to the Wizards outside of like maybe Andrew Sharp? But so oh, Sharp
0: is, of course, Sharp is my boy. It's
1: you and Sharp and Ernie Grunfeld. Who not a great history here. So like you said, you
0: have some ideas about what they should do to add. So who should they add? Here's what I want. I want a shooter. I'm pissed that Meritich already went went somewhere because I thought he would have been a, a terrific almost bullet. Now I have my sights set on two players. All right, head me, Danny Green who I don't know, I have no idea whether or not he's available. I just know that he's an unrestricted free agent uh, next season. So maybe there's a, there's a conversation to be had with the Spurs. And the other guy who's a known commodity that everybody loves, and the price is probably higher than what the Almost Bullets can offer, is Lou, Sweet Lou Williams. I mean, I, I want Sweet Lou in the run
1: that he's on right now. I want that. House, I really like you. I was very prepared to make fun of you for Danny Green giving up your first round pick and like hoping for the best. The Lou Williams thing really turned it around. You, you saved yourself there at the very end. It's a, it was an amazing save. And uh, I think you're right. Lou Williams would be great for them. But the thing is, Lou Williams would be great for a lot of people. They're going right. to get a lot, a lot of nice offers for him. All right. I got to let you go. Before I do, though, real, real quick, who did you root for on Sunday? Because I know you're a Washington football fan. So that's kind of a conundrum for you because you got the Pats and you got the Eagles. Tell me the truth.
0: You know who I rooted for, Wangan? My wallet. I rooted Your for wallet, my wallet. How'd you do? I won, and the reason I won is because I made a rational decision. I I, I was able to divorce my DNA, which is you know anti Eagles, anti Giants, anti Cowboys. With in in order of vehemence, it's Cowboys, uh, Giants, Eagles are, are the the team that I feel le- the the, the least, least ranker. Yes, exactly. The least rancor. Beautiful use of rancor there. Thank you. I uh, use words for a little. So I wasn't. <laughs> it, it didn't. You know, it wasn't impossible for me to look at the team in green and hope for right outcomes. And I really liked the Eagles in that underdog position. I mean, the dog masks, the whole thing. They were, nobody the whole believed bit. in them. So I was happy with the outcome. My wallet was happy with the outcome. And I'm
1: happy for you. And really, I'm happy for the Heat Check Pod because not only did we do a podcast today, but in this particular segment, it was basically like House's Washington therapy session. <laughs> so it worked out great for everybody. Thank you for, for putting me on the pillow, Wangon. All right, my man. Uh, that's Joe House. Make sure you listen to him. House of Carbs. He's got Shaq House. He's everywhere. He's very famous. He's very talented. House, thank you so much. Love you, boys. Later, buddy. All right. We're almost done, Isaac. Yes, we are. we got one more. We're going to bring in KOC, and we're going to bring in Jason, and we're going to talk about previous trade deadlines and the upcoming one. That's next. <laughs> All right, we're back with two of my favorites from The Ringer, Jason Concepcion, yes. Kevin O'Connor. We're going to talk up? about the trade deadline. Before we do that, we had uh, Kevin O'Connor on the Heat Check Pod last week. He was very excited about the Eagles, had had renounced his <laughs> yes. Patriots yeah. fandom. He I, really did. He was yeah. like, I hate them. I left Boston. I'm never going back. <laughs> I have turned my back on Tom <laughs> he Brady. He lies, said he re- raised one hand up in the air. L- and, said, <laughs> and on top of that, he's wearing a Trust the Process t-shirt, as, true. which is wonderful synergy. Yeah. Kevin O'Connor, I got you something from the Super Bowl. I brought oh, it back.
3: Okay, it's Nick Foles's. It's uh, Nick hit Foles. It. Bring Nick <laughs> Foles out,
1: uh, Isaac. Uh, you know what? You're never going to get tired of hearing it. Yeah, it's okay. It, That's it, and uh, it'll be playing in perpetuity for the you next know, year. So congratulations it, it, it on that. It doesn't bother me. They got five. Congratulations to you. They got five. Real quick before we do the trade deadline, so we we all did the uh, the 360 video oh, for nice. the ringer, which was that super was super fun. One of my absolute favorite parts was Kevin O'Connor's halftime hostage video oh where he was like, I really hope they get it together <laughs> and make adjustments. <laughs> like, no, I don't no, know where look, he is right, right now. No, there, it's there's, like, blink twice there, if you're okay. There's
4: no context within the video. The <laughs> okay. full video was, hey, you know, it's my dad's birthday. <laughs> I'm having fun. You know, like... It th- did not look like that. <laughs> I can encourage everybody to incredible, go. <laughs> incredible!
3: Uh, I'm not. I'm not actually mad. Performance right now. <laughs> I'm really not.
1: So anyway, the I'm Eagles glad, I'm won. Glad, I'm glad you got to feel. He, he's that very feeling, John. excited about so. it. As is as is Jason. Uh, I am. But I wanted to talk to you guys about trade stuff. So okay. I wrote this piece for the today, easy. ranking the trade deadlines. We're just going to do the top three because sure. you guys have like a. You took a little umbrage with the ordering. No, no, not just really. like slight, slight. Uh, uh, I've got uh, the 2017 trade deadline is number three on my list. The 2015 trade deadline, which was absolutely bananas in terms of like the sheer volume at number two on my list. And at number one on my list, it was the mellow trade, which Jason, Oh yeah. the Mellow trade. I mean, like Listen. tell me, like argue against the mellow trade is the number one trade deadline of the last 10 years.
3: Am I against it? Yeah, I'm against it because it, it
1: ruined everything it, it
3: ruined. It didn't ruin it. Here's the thing about the Knicks that I'll never understand. Like, the rationale for making that trade is oh, he was going to go to Brooklyn. Let's call the guy's bluff. Let's see it. Yeah, let's see it. Their Knicks. This is a the Knicks team pre the Mel trade was really forgotten. Gallo when he was healthy and really kind of fun. Wilson Chandler, mm-hmm. uh, Ray Felton the first time. Timothy Mozgov when God. he was uh, not completely washed and mm-hmm. was like a young, frisky center from from Moscow. The, uh, they were <laughs>
1: fresh over from
3: Moscow. They were really. F- team you know like and and it was it ended something there and also just the, just the idea that you would spend enormous amounts of money to pay mike d'antoni to install a free-flowing egalitarian system over multiple seasons right and then trade for carmelo no. and th- which is the antithesis pound of the that ball pl- ball yes. goes in ball doesn't come out Gotta love the Knicks, but Incredible. at the same
1: time, like like that deadline. So in retrospect, all the things that you're saying in retrospect are right, mm-hmm. but it was exciting to have Melo go to the Knicks, right? Like that, it, in th- like in in a vacuum without the system component, sure. without like the, all the ripple effects of all the players that they unloaded. Like I remember going, oh. Yeah. Like NBA narrative wise, this is fun.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think from a narrative perspective, it was like, oh, oh it's like, this is crazy. It's actually yeah. happening. It's like, yes. actually being moved after rumors happening for so long. But then, like, the basketball analyst in you was like, wait <laughs> a minute. Why didn't yeah. they just wait? Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's the way I came away from that deadline. But it wasn't just Melo either. It was Darren Williams being traded. Two big time yes. players yep. at the time oh, man, going Williams. to
1: New York. The Darren Williams trade to New York was a big one and would have been the biggest right, one if not for me. Melo. Here's the other one that I threw in and the reason why it ended up getting pushed over the top was the Clippers trade. The Clippers, holy shit, the Clippers, the Clippers in that same uh, trade deadline unloaded Baron Davis and their 2011 first-round pick to clear cap space. Unreal. uh, And bring in Jamario Moon and Mo Williams. Jamario Moon! Wow, Jamario Moon, who I forgotten
4: forgot.
1: <laughs> I want to apologize to Jamario. He's a big fan of the Heat Check podcast. We're laughing with you, Jamario, not at you. Jamario Moon was at the. But the reason why we're laughing is because the 2011 first round pick that they unloaded to the Cavaliers ended up being Kyrie. Kyrie. Urban. So if they hadn't done that, they wouldn't have had a trade for CP. All oh, of a sudden, man. you've got Kyrie and Blake. Lob City looks Unreal. completely different. Yeah completely different. And then the Clippers still have all their their pick allotments. I mean, it's a totally different deal. Like what would that Clippers team have looked
3: like? <sighs> Amazing. Yeah. I just want to say one thing about Darren Williams who I love. <laughs> yeah. And is uh, obviously the winner of the who is the best point guard of the last 10 years debate between him and CP3. <laughs>
1: That's runaway winner. Right at the top. You're just like driving yeah. a dagger into <laughs> Isaac's heart.
3: I just wanted to say that um, he's got my favorite NBA hair of the last I don't even know how long. Darren Williams' hair is like the seaweed on a rock as the tide goes out. That's it. That's, that's all I want no, to say. That's
1: a beautiful uh, picture that you've painted <laughs> for you, all of our man. listeners. <laughs> and I think also another reason why 2011 is the number one trade, <laughs> trade deadline. You guys had 2015,
4: because it was bananas. Yeah,
3: yeah, because it was like, oh, it's gonna be quiet. And it then was it was not
4: quiet. like yeah. everything came almost after the yes. I was over. Like you thought it was almost quiet then. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. All so point cards got traded. Everybody. So
1: I don't know where you guys were for that one. You were Grantland. <laughs> yes. You were in Boston, right? Yep. I was working in Philadelphia at NBC Sports Philadelphia and had thought yes. that it was going to be a very quiet trade. And then remember, it was like almost like past three o'clock when yes. the, the yeah. details started trickling <laughs> yep. through. And Sam Hinkey basically ruined my life that day, uh, <laughs> trying to track down everything that had happened Genius before we get trade. to the big ones. He unloaded Michael Carter Williams. Rookie of the year. The rookie of the year. Charles who's, Barkley. Who's stuck, yes. Freaked the fuck out about it. I lost it. it. Michael Carter Williams is selling screen printed t-shirts on Venice Beach yes, right now. Brutal. What is he doing? He's uh, thinking
3: wistfully about yes. the 2-3 zone and then
1: <laughs> It was a great trade for the Sixers, not such a great trade for the Bucks on a day where the Suns made a lot of bad trades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of the two terrible trades the Suns made.
4: For sure. And you know, with Michael Carter Williams, I understand why a lot of people thought that trade stunk. But with Carter Williams, he was probably one of the worst rookie of the years we've had. Yeah, in terms, you know, statistically, this side of Malcolm Brogdon. Of, yeah, yeah, and I mean Brogdon was pretty good. Bucks corner the market on
1: quasi rookies of the and, year. And,
4: and, you know, the Suns really did drop the ball that deadline. But with, with the situation that they had, I understand that the risk that they took. But clearly, I mean, Isaiah Thomas turned into a killer. Yep, Brandon um, Knight stunk. He still hasn't really done anything with that team. Mm-hmm. Drogic, you know, turned into, a, granted, injuries got him into the All-Star game. He's had, he's had a lot of su- success with them. I wonder what Phoenix could have done differently that deadline to set themselves up for a better future. I wonder if there are other options on the table that we don't know about that might have positioned themselves better than they are now.
1: At the Suns, there were so many weird things that the Suns did in that yeah. deadline. So not only did they did they move Isaiah Thomas, who, like, let's not forget that that trade, like, that group that they put together, like, so they they had Isaiah and Bledsoe and Dragic, and yeah. then they were like, that's not going to work. Yeah. So they're going to unplug, too. Okay, fine. I, I don't think any of us realized that Isaiah Thomas was going to be um, Isaiah Thomas because he w- hadn't been in with the Kings and he wasn't with the Suns. But then they went and compounded their mistake by moving a, a bunch of other pieces around, uh, including uh, Scalabesier and Papagianis, to get Chris. They gave up Bogdanovich, who might be the best player in yeah. that whole yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. Like they screwed it up like twelve <clears throat> different ways. This, how are the Suns still a franchise? It's
3: especially uh, it's especially tough for me to take because. There are like four hundred percent more sons and ex sons point guards involved in that deal than the Knicks have had in like
4: ten years. The Knicks <laughs> you have, could have gotten like I, one can twelve get, point guards. Can I get one point guard? Do you want Isaiah Thomas now? <laughs> no, <can. laughs> well that's it's
3: a little late on okay, <laughs> Isaiah yeah. Thomas, but it's just it's is wild. I haven't I have not watched a point guard as good as any of these guys like in a long time.
1: I need a a quick non trade deadline aside sure. then. Where are we on Frankie Smokes?
3: I think he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. He's just not ready now. He's like three years away, but you can see it in flashes and fits and starts. Defensively, he's, Defensively. he's a natural.
4: He, he's already one of the better defensive point yes. guards in the league. Yes, right, and he's only a teenager.
1: That's it. What are you it, scoring wise though? He looks very hesitant. Like every time I see him, like not not passing or not defending. He looks. He's like, been more
3: aggressive lately.
4: I think. I think yeah. that's okay though. I yeah. think. I know yeah. what, what you young. want Frankie Nicotine to turn into is a top-end defensive point guard yes. who can defend bigger guys as well right. and who also is a good pick-and-roll passer, a good pick-and-roll decision-maker, and who can hit spot-up threes and, you know, occasionally off the dribble. Not like your go-to guy, but that's the way you're going to have to build your roster with him. That's okay. Like, you don't need your point guard to be, you know, a 25-point-per-game scorer. Which is fine,
1: but what are they doing with Jarrett Jack and Trey Burke? Like, yeah. I don't explain that to me. It's the
3: eternal tension between Tank and win now that the Knicks are going through. They Which is why they're
1: always the Knicks.
3: Yeah, they obviously feel... They feel some pressure to win, obviously, mm-hmm. for some unknown reason, and <laughs> yeah, who knows? I uh, couldn't figure it out. When they could be simply developing their young guys, like with a lot of minutes, so yeah, yeah they're trying to win, and it's absolutely perplexing. You, you,
4: know, you know what I heard? I heard that they have, or at least they've inquired about Malik Monk with Charlotte. I don't know. I, 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 mean, I, I, mean, I kind it. of did the same thing. I, you did. I, I gave a little shoulder. I don't know shot, like, what the price would be. I, I don't know even how available he is. But I got are adding Monk already? They, yeah, I mean, I, I, Monk isn't really in but the wait best a minute, situation. If they're,
1: if they're making moves though, like dead, pre-deadline, as we're you know, barreling towards it, if they're making moves where maybe Batum gets unplugged, yeah. or you know they're, they're moving Kemba or somebody, sure. right? Like, doesn't yeah. that
4: free up minutes for Monk? Like, why move him already? He hasn't even played ma- hard. Ma- maybe you soured once you got in it. Got him in. Yeah, kind of a maybe, kind of a red flag
3: know. when uh, you draft a guy and all he can talk about is how he wanted to go t- exactly. to the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. All, yeah, well, I mean,
1: like, right, yeah. right. There's that red flag yeah. for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, right. He would be yeah. an, an amazing Nick because still, and I've I've mentioned this like a thousand times on the Ringer, but one of my favorite moments of the entire season was where he tried to do uh, a self alley oop off the yeah, glass and Aaron Gordon.
4: Very, <laughs> very Phenomenal. Very, very. Tough. <laughs> and Monk, Monk would be a great fit alongside Frankie Nicotine too, yeah, right? He's, he, he's no, your, no your chucker against your top top I mean, end. I mean, as a young guard. core,
3: I don't hate that at all and, and and again it's just with the knicks the question is always development can they develop for sure these guys? That's w- it.
1: Yeah. one more quick mention about the 2015 trade deadline that i really liked the reggie jackson trade where he yes. like he left okc shit. they hated him yeah, in okc I- he's like i'm gonna get out of here he goes to detroit he gets a new contract and stan van gundy <laughs> can't open his mouth without shitting on reggie yeah. jackson like it's he went from like teammates hating him yeah. to his own coach it's phenomenal um i also
3: well i had like uh Let's see. What were we talking about? The two. I I always like. Were you talking about 2015? The I like the Dragich brothers trade. As if you had Mm -hmm. to pick one of these from out of them, just because. Like, when do you ever see like brothers? (laughs) <laughs> from Europe, get traded Goron but. and Zoron. Yeah, it's like Tomax and Zemot from
1: yeah. GI Joe. That is a phenomenal reference. Yes,
4: yes and they felt each other's pain. That's I right. love that cartoon. I, I, <laughs> for me, for me, the one takeaway from that deadline is the Isaiah Thomas mm-hmm. uh, trade going to Boston, and the reason why is for for that deal. Like I predicted that like a week before it happened, with like no sources on that, just because you connect the dots. Sometimes, sure. Boston called Isaiah Thomas on July one, the summer before and they just didn't get the opportunity to sign him. So, I think that's something to keep in mind for this deadline and deadlines moving forward where it's like when you hear rumors mm. about interest in free agency, yep. keep that in mind anytime like a, a trade deadline comes up because if that guy seems like maybe he's in a situation where he could be available, just look back at the teams that had interested him in free agency and you might find who actually might be going for him at the deadline.
1: I can't wait to find out uh, what dealer Danny does this year before we get uh, Dealer to, Danny. before we get to Thursday one number uh, Number three, deadline of the last ten years was 2017. It was last yeah, year. Boogie finally moved. Abaco yeah. At first, I wasn't on board with the Abaca move. I was like, I don't get it. It makes the Raptors more Raptors. Like, but we've seen this year. The Raptors have been much better. Yep. The Nurlands trade made me very, very angry at the time. Fake first because it was a fake first. <laughs> I, still, I still contend that Nerlens is a good player. However, whether or not Nerlens is a good player or not, we still got halftime hot dog Nerlens out of it. I love which half-dog. was yeah, half-dog, that half-dog, makes it all worthwhile. <laughs>
3: just having to explain, like you know, I I was practicing really hard, and you know, my energy was low. I needed to bring my energy up. It's not playing. It's not playing. It just
1: wanders in. So that's that's something you've probably noticed from covering games. Like sometimes, like the pregame buffet for the players is not up to snuff, or there's not enough of what yeah. they want. So invariably like you'll be in the media room eating and you'll see a player walk in like yeah. last year for the Clippers in Utah uh Rudy Gobert after he hurt himself sure he like was still hungry I guess yeah so he limped into the Los Angeles media room and was like eating uh,
4: tortillas and, and the, fajitas with the, us the, at this, our table. The, this is how NBA players gain weight over the course of the season. He was hungry. Cause, cause they get, yeah, they're, yeah, they're done with the games and they're begrud- hungry and they have full dinners at, at 10 p.m. at night. I don't begrudge them a halftime hot dog. So that know. was a great course, one. Yeah. That was a great one. And then, of course, we had boogie. Yeah,
3: the, the boogie trade was incredible because, obviously, on at the tail end of All-Star Weekend, this thing came down. That was taking place in New Orleans, yeah. so the joke was like, "Don't even un- just stay here. Like, yeah. don't like, just get a which, hotel, <laughs> stay in your hotel, and don't leave."
1: Which locker
4: do you want?
3: It was, it was that was truly wild.
4: It really was. When we found out about that, uh, me and a couple other people from the Ringer, including including Micah Peters, who is a Pelicans fan, we're walking down the street in New Orleans. I get a woge bomb on my phone, and I'm like, "Hey, Micah, look at this." showed on my phone he's like Wah! he just flipped out and we were just screaming down the street that's um, bo- 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 boogie to the pelicans so now of course it is, it is and that's what i'm saying it's like
1: ripple yeah. part of this column was um you know like how many big trades happened yeah. part of it was entertainment value which is the new Orleans halftime hot dog thing and the other thing was impact so now like you and i talked about this ksc last week where we went like okay It made sense for sure for the Pelicans to do that. And now I think it makes more sense for them to just double down on it because what do you do? Like you already invested this – all these assets in getting DeMarcus Cousins. It sucks though because as KFC pointed out, he's a giant dude coming off an Achilles, which is too – like you don't want to hear that. And you're going to have to give him a gigantic contract. But I don't know how you don't.
3: The list of guys who have come back in any shape or form to be similar to what they were is extremely – extremely short and also listen i don't doubt demarcus's dedication and ability to come back uh it it just takes a long long time like it takes years to come back to be a contributing player anything like you were and the way his game is predicated so much on strength and this kind of like explosiveness uh, explosiveness you know like can he turn himself into like a bigger zebo sure maybe he could do that but it just feels like this is we're going to see a much different Demarcus Cousins after and this.
4: You're right that you know it's they probably should double down, and that's what they did. For getting Miritich, they're yeah. trying yeah. to yeah, put, yeah, they're yeah, trying exactly. to maintain their playoff position. They're yeah. trying to to keep their spot there and maintain a winning team. You know, and then you hope Boogie comes back and he's eighty percent of what he was. <laughs> that'd be, you that'd know, be good. If, if if it's if he's ninety percent plus or a hundred percent, what a gift, right? right? Then you're in a good position. Um, but if he's not, if he's sixty percent, if he's seventy percent you're screwed either way
1: though you're screwed for yes. sure if you don't yes. so you have to try I think
4: yeah I agree um,
1: one more quick just mention about like uh, from the entertainment perspective like I like these like weird trades that make me laugh it made me laugh at the time I didn't get it in retrospect it's really goddamn funny the Bulls when they traded Taj Gibson and, oh, yeah. and uh, Doug McDermott who were probably the two best players in that trade for Cameron Payne who has since tough. been unseated by Chris Dunn Very tough. who Chris wow. Dunn is a good but like and on top of that the Thunder got a second round pick like the Bulls were like sure you can also have this like that is one of the like the head scratchers of yeah. that year
3: campaigns uh major impact on the nba is or those, was his handshakes
1: those pregame <laughs>
3: handshakes yeah, that, yeah that's it that's it
4: what else? That's then, it. That' <laughs> like, We really couldn't <laughs> yeah. come up with anything. Um, and then Taj Gibson right now is probably one of the best defensive big men in the NBA yep.
1: for the Timberwolves. I have always loved Taj. I think he's way underrated. He's a really good. He's a guy who is not going to hurt you. Yes. He's just going to help you in various areas. Takes and he's perfect at the table. He's yeah. perfect for Tibbs and always Absolutely. has been. Um, okay, so we've got the deadline coming up. We love yeah. the deadline. We're gonna have a lot of content here on the Ringer. What are we excited about? What do we want to see?
4: I, I think it's going to be quiet overall. You do? I, I do. I mean, may, maybe one domino falls. Like If DJ gets traded, then more sure. stuff happens. But I think overall it's going to be kind of a, you know. Lou, if I, that's will, Lou Williams? Yeah, maybe. Do we think Lou maybe. goes, or do we think the Clippers hold
1: on and try to like rebuild on the fly?
4: I think there's probably more interest in Lou Williams than yeah. there is in DeAndre Jordan for sure. Right? I think
1: so too. I was I was just talking about this with House. You could go through the list of te- first he's playing out of his head, yeah, uh, and he's on an expiring. So yeah. maybe, you know, like who cares? You'll, you can figure yeah. it out, right. right? Exactly. So if you need to add shooting. Go get Lou Williams. I mean, if you're For a contending sure. team, you could say that the Cavs could use him, the Wizards could use him. Well, the Cavs, defensive wise, they wouldn't. That wouldn't help him. But a lot of
4: teams. Yeah. There's nowhere no to yeah. go but no way to
1: go but up. Right, huh? right, right. Like, yeah. good, he could,
4: he and Isaiah could
1: yeah <laughs> figure it out
4: together. Imagine a backcourt with Isaiah Thomas, Lou Williams, Derrick Rose. Jose oh, oh, Calderon
3: is out there getting minutes, guys. I mean.
4: What are we talking about? I think think OKC could be an active team. I've heard heard that. that. I've heard they've been connected to Marco Bellinelli, Mm -hmm. Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart. Like if Joe Johnson gets bought out. Handful of guys, there, they're all like guards and wings. I don't think they have nearly enough to try to get Bradley. Um, yeah, I don't think they have enough to get Smart either. But maybe, maybe they're a team that tries to add another wing, uh, fill some, somebody to fill Robertson's minutes.
1: What about? We also hear a lot of stuff about Tyreek Evans. Woj had a report saying that uh, Boston, Denver, and Philly are the main ones, and that Miami might be in the mix. Now, I like Tyreek Evans, Philly dude. Yeah, we always had uh, like really high expectations for him. I liked watch. I watched He's him when he was in high school. them. He. It's how long has it been? It's He's been a long time. A long time, time and it. all of a sudden, like after all those injuries and all those years of him not doing anything, Tyreek suddenly is like a hot commodity yeah. in the league. But-
3: I, I think it's amazing, and it's also just—it's a great uh, object lesson. And you can't really ever give up on a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never thought I'd see anything like this from him. Like just the all-around game—you know, the passing, the
4: playmaking—it's—it's it's been great. Wild. He's been great. He, he had like a procedure done. Uh, before the season, I guess, that he thinks, you know, helped him, you know, get back to this level. Like, kind of, you know, lessen his injuries. He's been a lot healthier this season, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But but I also wonder how much of this is, like, it's a contract year. You know, and and he's putting everything contract yeah. year is the greatest steroids but you know what if it is it doesn't matter because right. if you're a team trading for him all you the, care about is right this now season. yes so right?
1: what do we think he costs would you give it up if you're the celtics like would you give uh, up a uh, first for him
4: your own first round pick yes. yeah
1: back end of the first it's the it's like, like a nothing first rounder if you're the celtics
4: i mean first round picks are always valuable though i i'd, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with a Early mid second round pick. I mean, there's he has there's yeah, there's no bird second they won't, there, right. They won't get it, done. but you could
1: get that from Philly. But probably. what? But what if yeah. nobody's giving mm. a first round pick? <sighs> All right. So would yeah. you give it if you're Philly? It's
4: going to be a, a late high, first round, a pick. late first. No, but, I don't think I would. I'd play hardball here and try to just throw get a on some hey, a bunch if, of per protect, I mean, you're talking about a twenty near twenty nine year old guard who uh, slash wing who has not been that great mm. for mm. seven seasons and who you probably won't retain past these next couple months. I think I think if I'm the Sixers, I definitely want to give it first. If I'm if I'm a team that has legitimate, you know, contending potential, like the Celtics, you know, it Rockers, would have to Cavaliers, be a contending. You know, yeah. you if if know, the Sixers did it, all, Sixers fans would lose their shit. Yeah. They, they would lose did. their shit.
3: Boss, yeah. If I'm Boston, I do it. If I'm the Sixers, I don't. Would right?
4: Would you do if you're Cleveland? <sighs> no, like, would you uh, give your own first if you're Cleveland? Cleveland's got to do
1: something. This is
3: that's a this is actually a, this is a fascinating uh, discussion. Aside from whether they get involved with Tyreek Evans, what does Cleveland do because? they're in between several rocks and several hard places. Yeah. You know, like does LeBron stay? Does he not yeah. stay? Do you leverage your future post LeBron in order to get, uh, put together a team that w- maybe would win now. And are there even any moves out there? There aren't lateral moves. Yeah. I don't think there are.
4: Cause if you're Cleveland, it's the type of thing where, if you give up let's say your pick ends up like 24 25 right. like that's not a great first by no, any means. No. You know and, and let's say you still don't you know win the finals anyways. Let's say you, you don't even make the finals, right? And LeBron leaves and you end up like the 7th pick from the Nets. You might wish that you had that 24th pick sure. to trade up a spot or two right. possibly. You know, you might wish that you had that to get an extra guy in the late first that you think is actually a lottery level talent. First are valuable, man. Yeah, they because everybody has, you know, different rankings. But yeah. like you said, several rocks, several hard places. Yeah. If you're Cleveland,
1: it Danny wrote about this already last right. week. 2010 all over again. Screw it either way. Right. Like what do you do? I, I think I, you have to try because if you don't, you're you're screwed anyway.
3: I, I feel like unless you get some kind of indication that he that he'd stay, you have to assume that he's leaving and you have to prepare for the future. I think it, the
1: Miami Late entrance for Tyreek is very interesting. It is quite interesting. Like all of a sudden, like that, in the East. Who knows what's happening in the yeah. east?
4: Anything could happen in the east, and Miami is in that middle of the pack. Why not? I'll tell you what: at like two at two fifty nine p.m. If I'm Boston, I'd give it the first. You would, I would, because I think Tyreek Evans is. And me, I think that'd be the t- best fit t- type yeah. type of guy who comes off your bench who can you Perfect. know play make for you a little bit who can handle the ball can hit spot up threes in space the floor who even though he's on a great defender at least has a little bit of versatility. I mean, that's do you have type, to put one of the Marcuses in that? I mean, I, I think what they're trying to do is flip Marcus Smart. For for another, first, for another first, so it's the type of thing where oh, right, right. get, yeah. may, get may, your pick back. Right, like yeah, maybe they get a better first, you know, for Marcus Smart, right. and then they trade their worst first or Dino like Danny, you know, I know. that type. He's amazing. always on the move. He's so he's angry, fantastic.
1: We're super excited about the trade, deadline. We're going to have a lot of content this week on the Ringer. We're going to have plenty of podcasts. We're going to do some video stuff. We'll probably have some uh, group posts that we'll Hell throw yeah. out there. So it. check out the Ringer all week. Also, you've got NBA Desktop with Jason yes. Concepcion, which Ooh. is the, taking the internet by storm. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. He's got binge mode. He's everywhere. He does everything all the time. Jason doesn't sleep. Kevin also does not sleep. Check out all all of KOC's content. Thanks to everybody who was on the show today. Shay, Charks, House, our producer, Isaac Lee. We will be back on the Heat Check podcast, per usual, on Mondays next week. Be sure to check us out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.